Chapter Twelve of *The Nest of the Sparrowhawk* by Emma Orksey. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Dion Gines, Salt Lake City, Utah. A woman's heart. It is difficult, perhaps, to analyze rightly the feelings and sensations of a young girl when she is literally being swept off her feet in a whirlpool of passion and romance some few years later when lady sue wrote those charming memoirs which are such an interesting record of her early life she tried to note with faithful accuracy what was the exact state of her mind when three months after her first meeting with prince amade de orleans she plighted her troth to him and promised to marry him in secret and in defiance of her guardian's more than probable opposition her sentiments with regard to her mysterious lover were somewhat complex and undoubtedly she was too young too inexperienced then to differentiate between enthusiastic interest in a romantic personality and real lasting passionate love for a man as apart from any halo of romance which might be attached to him when she was a few years older she averred that she could never have really loved her prince because she always feared him hers therefore was not the perfect love that casteth out fear she was afraid of him in his ardent moods almost as much as when he allowed his unbridled temper free rein whenever she walked through the dark bosquets of the park on her way to a meeting with her lover she was invariably conscious of a certain trepidation of all her nerves a wonderment as to what he would say when she saw him how he would act whether chide or rave or merely reproach it was the gentle and pathetic terror of a child before a stern yet much-loved parent yet she never mistrusted him perhaps because she had really never seen him only in outline half wrapped in shadows or merely silhouetted against a weirdly lighted background his appearance had no tangible reality for her she was in love with an ideal not with a man he was merely the mouthpiece of an individuality which was of her own creation added to all this there was the sense of isolation she had lost her mother when she was a baby her father fell at naseby she herself had been an only child left helplessly stranded when the civil war dispersed her relations and friends some into exile others in splendid revolt within the fastnesses of their own homes impoverished by pillage and sequestration rebellious surrounded by spies watching that opportunity for retaliation which was so slow in coming tossed hither and thither by fate in spite of or perhaps because of her great wealth she had found a refuge though not a home at acol court she had been of course too young at the time to understand rightly the great conflict 
between the king's party and the puritans but had naturally embraced the cause for which her father's life had been sacrificed blindly like a child of instinct not like a woman of thought her guardian and mistress de chavasse stood for that faction of roundheads at which her father and all her relatives had sneered even while they were being conquered and oppressed by them she disliked them both from the first and chafed at the parsimonious habits of the house which stood in such glaring contrast to the easy lavishness of her own luxurious home fortunately for her her guardian avoided rather than sought her company she met him at meals and scarcely more often than that and though she often heard his voice about the house usually raised in anger or impatience he was invariably silent and taciturn when she was present the presence of richard lambert his humble devotion his whole-hearted sympathy and the occasional moments of conversation which she had with him were the only bright moments in her dull life at the court and there is small doubt but that the friendship and trust which characterized her feelings towards him would soon have ripened into more passionate love but for the advent into her life of the mysterious hero who by his personality his strange secretive ways his talk of patriotism and liberty at once took complete possession of her girlish imagination she was perhaps just too young when she met lambert she had not yet reached that dangerous threshold when girlhood looks from out obscure ignorance into the glaring knowledge of womanhood she was a child when lambert showed his love for her by a thousand little simple acts of devotion and by the mute adoration expressed in his eyes lambert drew her towards the threshold by his passionate love and held her back within the refuge of innocent girlhood by the sincerity and exaltation of his worship with the first word of vehement unreasoning passion the mysterious prince dragged the girl over that threshold into womanhood he gave her no time to think no time to analyze her feelings he rushed her into a torrent of ardor and of excitement in which she never could pause in order to draw breath to-night she had promised to marry him secretly to surrender herself body and soul to this man whom she hardly knew whom she had never really seen she felt neither joy nor remorse only a strange sense of agitation an unnatural and morbid impatience to see the end of the next few days of suspense for the first time since she had come to acol and encountered the kindly sympathy of richard lambert she felt bitterly angered against him when having parted from the prince at the door of the pavilion she turned to walk back towards the house and came face to face with the young man a narrow path led through the trees from the ha-ha to the gate and richard lambert was apparently 
walking along aimlessly in the direction of the pavilion i came hoping to meet your ladyship and to escort you home the night seems very dark he explained simply in answer to a sudden haughty stiffening of her young figure which he could not help but notice i was taking a stroll in the park she rejoined coldly the evening is sweet and balmy but i have no need of escort master lambert i thank you it is late and i would wish to go indoors alone it is indeed late gracious lady he said gently and the park is lonely at night will you not allow me to walk beside you as far as the house but somehow his insistence his very gentleness struck a jarring note for which she herself could not have accounted was it the contrast between two men which unaccountably sent a thrill of disappointment almost of apprehension through her heart she was angry with lambert bitterly angry because he was kind and gentle and long-suffering whilst the other was violent even brutal at times i must repeat master that i have no need of your escort she said haughtily i have no fear of marauders nor yet of prowling beasts and for the future i should be grateful to you she added conscious of her own cruelty determined nevertheless to be remorselessly cruel if you were to cease that system which you have adopted of late that of spying on my movements spying the word had struck him in the face like a blow and she womanlike with that strange impulsive temperament of hers was not at all sorry that she had hurt him yet surely he had done her no wrong save by being so different from the other man and by seeming to belittle that other in her sight against her will and his own i am grieved believe me she said coldly if i seem unkind but you must see for yourself good master that we cannot go on as we are doing now whenever i go out you follow me when i return i find you waiting for me i have endeavoured to think kindly of your actions but if you value my friendship as you say you do you will let me go my way in peace nay i humbly beg your ladyship's gracious forgiveness he said if i have transgressed it is because i am blind to all save your ladyship's future happiness and at times the thought of that adventurer is more than i can bear you do yourself no good master lambert by talking thus to me of the man i love and honour beyond all things in this world you are blind and see not things as they are blind to the merits of one who is as infinitely above you as the stars but nathless i waste my breath again i have no power to convince you of the grievous error which you commit but if you cared for me as you say you do if i cared he murmured with a pathetic emphasis on that little word if as a friend i mean 
she rejoined still cold still cruel still womanlike in that strange inexplicable desire to wound the man who loved her if you care for me as a friend you will not throw yourself any more in the way of my happiness now you may escort me home an you wish this is the last time that i shall speak to you as a friend in response to your petty attacks on the man whom i love henceforth you must choose twixt his friendship and my enmity and without vouchsafing him another word or look she gathered her cloak more closely about her and walked rapidly away along the narrow path he followed with head bent meditating wondering wondering end of chapter twelve